Let's get sweaty. Hey guys, welcome to a Shenmue Dojo show bonus edition. Um, as ever, I'm Matt. Welcome to the show. And James is with me. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Thanks, mate. Are you? Yeah, not too bad. <laughs> not too bad. One year on from Shenmue the Animation. Um, I'm glad to be sat here talking about it with you for two reasons. Uh, first reason is we've both rewatched it for the first time since we did the whole stream on air thing. And also, this is going to serve as our actual review of the anime because we never actually did one. That's true. <laughs> we were going to do a round table, weren't we? But life got in the way, and I think we were a little bit burnt out. <laughs> yeah, I think we were. Solid weeks of work, so. It was, when you think back to it now, 13 weeks, streaming every week, show every week, artwork, it was bonkers. I think we got to the end of it, and as much as we enjoyed the anime at the time, I think we were crawling, weren't we? A yeah, bit. definitely. I'm glad it stopped at 13. <laughs> Although I'm a little bit sad to say that now. But... Yeah. So, just sort of brief overview of the topics we're going to cover. We're going to talk about our likes, our dislikes, uh, some of the story changes, some of the characters. We might go into some of the merchandise, etc. at the end as well, and give a real overview of what's out there and what our hopes might be for Season 2, which we know at the moment currently has been cancelled and isn't happening, but hey, funnier things have happened. Shenmue 3 got released, so why can't anime Season 2 happen? We'll see. But let's jump straight in, James. Obviously, okay. we've both rewatched this um, for the first time in, in what would be a year. Fresh, Almost a fresh pair of eyes on it, I would guess, at some mm-hmm. some stage, because it's certainly for me when I was rewatching it, it was things I'd forgotten about, things that I didn't notice first time. But what were your general thoughts on re-watching it what, what did you think of it yeah like you say i've not watched it for quite some time actually um you know since probably we, we watched it originally I've, I've watched it a few times since that uh tried to start watching it with my wife but that kind of just stopped um as other things got in the way again general life and then i started watching it in bed um using some of the the links that we've got available to ourselves to to be able to watch it on the on the go like that and i <laughs> Watching it again this time, like you say, there's been a bit of a, a time gap between the previous watch. Um, I really enjoyed it again. I think it needed that little bit of a, a gap between then and now to sort of appreciate it again, um, to, like you say, get some fresh eyes on it. And it just, it does a really good job. Um, obviously, it's got its pluses that we're going to get into and some of its minuses that we're going to get into as well. Um, but obviously, it's got way more pluses than minuses. And I was thinking if I was going to rate it, on a scale of one to ten, I don't know what I, I, I said at the, at the time, but thinking about it now, and you know that we've had time to mull it over and think about it, I probably would give it like an eight out of ten um, for how well it's portrayed the first game, the second game. Um, it's just falls short a little bit because of how quickly it rushes yeah. through it. That that's the major drawback for me in terms of like recommending the anime over the games. I'd still recommend the games over the anime, but to kind of get new people into it, the, the the game series who perhaps haven't got the time or the patience for the games, this is the perfect way to get them into the Shenmue series and 
get them up to speed, get them into the storyline. And like I say, I think it does a really good job of that. But what were your thoughts, Matt? Yeah, I'd, I'd concur with a lot of that, actually. Um, some of the story extras were really cool, actually. When you think back to the first episode <laughs> where you're opening up in the Hazuki Dojo and it flips then over to Bailu Village and you start getting that extra context of Bailu, Bailu Village and some of the Shenmue 3 characters are in there as well. And mm. that, those little things that you don't get asked but we'll see in the games i think that's a really nice touch to it and getting a to know a little bit more about shen Fa. you don't get to find out too much more than we find out in the games but that extra context is really cool and then i think the way they presented dubuita was excellent mm -hmm. it was much more like real life dubuita i've not been there obviously but when you see the comparison shots that switch was putting out for example between the real life locations and what they actually showed it was um much closer to that than the games were i think the games mm -hmm. as realistic as they looked at the time were uh, a truncated version of it as as needed but i can see why they they did it and went for that more real life element i guess and then when they moved into hong kong again it felt more like hong kong would have done back then <clears throat> felt yeah they did the research more, and yeah studied their research. the environment something which is really good. So I, I was really, really impressed with that. Obviously, you look at the cast in the Japanese dub, um, a lot of the original cast came back. So Matsukaze came back, obviously, for Rio. Mm -hmm. um, Haruka Teruri came back as Shenfa. She was Shenfa in Shenmue 3 as well, because her original voice actress obviously retired. So there's some continuity there as well. Um, I should say I watched it in Japanese again. I have yep. sort of Same. dipped in and out of the English dub, and it's no offence to the English dub. I, I personally prefer the Japanese, but I also prefer the Japanese for the games, so mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's not a, a slur on it. I think some of the story changes are very well done when you think about the opening and the, the addition of the karate tournament, yes. which has been talked about for years and pre years. Prequel sort of content. Yeah, definitely. And then when you talk about... Um, Yagamashi and and how he has more to do with the early scenes. You can see his relationship with a WoW. You can see his concern for Rio as well in that. I think again that's a nice bit of context to what's going on. Yeah. Obviously they've had to remove some game fluff. Let, let's not be around the bush. For example, you're not spending your time walking from place X mm. go to Y asking questions. They've had to sort of narrow that down for the benefit of 13 episodes. But as you say, I'd recommend the games to anybody over the anime because I think it gives you a bit more of the atmosphere and the environment that you can get sucked into. But if you want to catch up to the Shenmue story, you want a really good, faithful, respectful retelling of the Shenmue story, mm. then the anime is definitely a starting point. 100%. And like you mentioned in there about the extra context in certain sections, I think maybe perhaps combining both the games and the anime, if you do get into the Shenmue series, um, you're going to get extra content, context from, like Matt says, you know, Yamagushi-san, seeing him at the Hazuki residence speaking to Ryo's father before he dies, you know, in the, the game, the first thing you see is Ryo, uh, Ryo's father dying. So to mm. get this little extra mm. bit of context and then later, obviously, you get the scene in the game where you're having a little um, practice, uh, the double blow move. And, you know, it gives just gives a bit more weight to that scene than when he's talking about his father and it was a sad day, um, obviously, because he was friends with him <laughs> and you don't really think of that in the game. <laughs> as such but you know because they put a little bit more emphasis on it in the anime same with other characters as well you see them in different sort of 
behind the scenes sort of scenes like we get into when we get into the Hong Kong side of things with Joy and Wong and um, even Shuing and Fang Mei they go on for little little, little walks themselves and mm. you know stumble into events themselves don't they that you obviously wouldn't see in the game because you've seen everything through the eyes of Rio in the game but in the anime <clears throat> you do see these different sides to the characters which is nice um, and like I say obviously if you put them both together <laughs> you, <laughs> you you get the full package you do and i think they've been very respectful to the source material while yep. allowing themselves to go off on a different <clears throat> path with it and give it its own give it its own identity and i think that's crucial actually with the anime to differentiate it from the games to attract new people in who may not have been interested in the games you think of the presentation you think of the music you think of the extra character content that we're getting all of that together is a faithful retelling of Shenmue, but done with a different identity, a different spin. And yeah. while I can understand some people's, and we'll come on to it in a little bit, concern around some of the speed, some of the pacing of, especially the later episodes, I think episode 10 and 13, we may talk about in a bit more detail. Um, I, th- I I really do think they've they've treated the series with respect and and really gone to town where they could. And, and, Considering, I think it's probably considered a low-budget anime in inverted commas. They did a hell of a job of what they had. Yeah, like you say, I don't know what the budget was for this particular anime. I mean, me watching it, I don't really watch too much anime, but I thought it looked fantastic throughout. The you know, there's a few little areas where I'd probably point a finger at and say you can see where the budget was lacking in those scenes, or you know, some of the background characters. I think I mentioned in the notes here, Matt, where you know the look like they haven't got a face or they're just mm, like yeah, un- yeah, yeah. underdrawn in the background for some reason um so there's a, a few little things like that that obviously if i could get them to go back to the drawing board and like give it a, an extra little coat of paint then i'd probably suggest those sort of things but obviously if the money ran out then you can you can kind of see like some things that we're going to get into when we discuss some of the story aspects um like a lot of reusing of little scenes and um just general sort of <clears throat> how do I phrase it you know like um, when the characters are thinking what's what's that word called uh, they, when they're having sort of flashbacks, flashbacks you, and they, yeah. they keep flashing up like the same li- li- little <laughs> bits of those flashbacks and... yeah and stuff that's only just happened the previous episode or you know, yeah. a couple of episodes before so it it feels a bit a little bit more like padding um when I was watching it this time around, like the first time, I, I just took it for what it was. What it was, yeah. Yeah, but then when you actually see it and you start thinking like towards the end of the series, where some of the, the budget's sort of lacking, um, the quality overall is fantastic all the way through, but like I say, in these last sort of episodes, you do sort of see a, a, a few subtle things creeping in that I could only put down to like either lack of time or uh, you know budget or something. Yeah, and it's a necessity, I guess, a necessary evil, if you like, yeah. in some respects. I mean, you look at the Landy rooftop fight, which, I mean, we'll talk about story context in a minute, but the original, the motion that he uses to bat Rio off at the end is the same motion that's used in the dojo, for example. Mm-hmm. I think episode 12 opens up with the ending of episode 11, like literally word for word yeah. and scene for scene. And I can get why they're doing it and and all the rest of it, but it's those little things I think would take it from an eight to a nine. And I do I do get having those scenes because obviously if you're watching it the way we watched it originally, like a week has gone by before the next episode, it's sort of like 
you know, what happened last week in a sense, like getting you back up to speed to remind you of where we're at. But when you're watching them, like I've just done all together, it feels like they've wasted maybe 10 to 20 seconds of content that they could have used in other places where I feel like it's lacking, um, especially the Guilin stuff, <laughs> which was, yeah. a, you know, a major upset for me. <clears throat> but I won't dwell on that too much because... I don't want it to come across like we're being overly negative in these sort of things. We're just pointing these things out that we noticed. But things that I did like, <clears throat> you know, you've got a lot of details. We, we actually got a little section on Easter eggs. But the attention to detail that they did for including some of these things, um, recreating environments from the games that we know so well. Like, obviously, you mentioned uh, Golden Quarter shopping mall yeah um obviously mammo temple from the inside looks great um these loads of different locations like that that they, you can tell that they've taken the source material and um respected it and tried to recreate it as, as best as they can in an, an animation form um you point out things like the posters on the wall of shewing's room it's exactly you know, the same exactly the same i think do we see a little scene in fukusan's room and perhaps you know that that's got the virtual fighter poster or whatever yeah the, the po again the move posters on his wall are the same yeah. and that, it's it's that attention to detail that i think for me at least allows it that, that those little issues around the end around the budget possibly that makes up for it as a fan because mm -hmm. as, a, as a shenmue fan that's that's really clever and really well done because only we would pick up on that sort of thing and go, that's the same poster. That's a yeah, a toy cap. Those sorts of things that make it for us that a casual fan may not just pick up, oh, that's a nice poster. We're good. It's the same poster from the game. It's the same poster. You know, it's, yeah, there was a lot of those moments. And there was some, mate, where I didn't even realise like the, the thugs in the Shenmue 2 side of things that, until uh, Joe's, Joe Kitchen pointed them out in his videos and stuff. I never even realized that they were using the characters no. from those those thugs which again is amazing attention to detail because shemu two sort of thugs that you see throughout the game you, you know you keep refighting them and you don't really think too much of them as much as like in the, the shemu one's thugs because they've kind of all got names aren't they in the first game whereas in the mm. second you don't really learn anything about them but for them to go into that much effort and detail to like not just draw random thugs they've like specifically chosen those same characters I think was a, a really nice touch, actually. Yeah, and actually, I'll, I'll pull it up on the screen for people so you can see it. And, and Joe Kitchen put this together for us um, when we were doing the streams last year. Um, you can see all the thugs lined up in the um, <clears throat> Golden Court, um, Golden Shopping Mall. Yeah. And then he's done, he's recreated it in Blender using the character, and they are all the exact same, and the designs are the exact same. Now, they don't have to do that because, with all due respect. They're thugs. They're not main player characters. They're there to get to get their asses kicked. Mm -hmm. But again, to treat the source material with that respect just shows, I think, what went into this. We know Jason DeMarco is a big Shenmue fan anyway. Yeah. He, he's openly admitted that, and he had, he pushed for Shenmue to get through to be made. And I think the whole team that's then reflected into the team. Obviously, Yu Suzuki's had his input as well as things have gone on. Change this, maybe do this, and he's had his input. But it seems like they've got the source material and really understood what makes Shenmue. I know it's silly to say that. It's silly to say, like, you're surprised that they've done this sort of thing, you know, as Shenmue after all, but for how deep the games are, there's stuff in there, like, a few layers deep, like Eileen and Izumi, 
and you know they've thrown them in as somewhat Easter eggs, aren't they? Like just to add a bit to the because they know when fans see that they're going to be like, oh no, you know. I saw someone comment the other day. Um, it was only after watching the anime that he realised Eileen was a thing in the game because he'd seen Eileen in the anime and was like, that never happens in the game. Who's, who's this random woman? Do you know what I mean? But <laughs> because that's how deep they've gone in, in using the source material to, to create some of these things, like they've just thrown them in as a nice touch. And I wouldn't have expected them to, to have done that. Like, I don't know the team behind the anime, how well they're familiar with the games, but like the stuff that perhaps, you know, only big Shenmue fans like us would notice and they've, they've done it. So it's really cool. It is really cool, and it is. It's a tip of the hat to, to the source material and to those little Easter eggs that I mean, we'll talk about some more in a minute. Um, but I just, yeah, again, it's the respect for the source material, the respect for the fans and the community, while I think having almost an unenviable task of pleasing us mm-hmm. and trying to get new people in. And it has got new people in. I don't know what the numbers are on it or anything like it, but I mean, Viewing figures on Adult Swim were obviously very good, about um, 240,000 average per episode across the 13 run episode run. It's alleged, I haven't got the figures, it got 1 million views a week on Crunchyroll. Now, I don't know where that sits in terms of their statistics with other anime, but for Shenmue the anime, that's, that's an excellent performance. I think it shows that quality of anime, even with some of the issues that we've just highlighted and talked about. And some other things I do want to mention are obviously around the story element that Mm -hmm. maybe could have had a bit more oomph to it the master bayou fight definitely it kicks him in the face and that that, that's it really and when you consider that's built up in the game it's quite it's quite a it's quite a tough fight and b the ending bit where he's obviously using his special move rio's dodging and then you smash him such an epic moment in the game isn't it so it's feel like felt like they were that were lacking a little bit and there's there's also like a scene it's very random how it happens actually it's when you go oh when Rio goes to fight Greg Moore and it's like Greg Moore's previous opponent was Baihu and he just just walks away it's like mm. so random <laughs> you know what I mean was that episode 10 or something it's like the very first time you see Baihu in the anime yeah and he's just, just literally just looks at Rio and walks away and it was like okay that was a bit strange <laughs> it's for me I thought they were building to like yeah. a, a proper fight because it it seemed that way because it's all they like they locked eyes as in like like who's this guy yeah yeah and then then again later and it's it didn't really go anywhere that for whatever reason i i was you know personally a little bit disappointed with it i'm looking at the notes as well and we're talking about for example that rio touches his plaster quite a lot obviously he is focused on revenge but it is quite a lot yeah this this one line i picked up on from ren towards the end of the show when he doesn't touch his plaster I think it's after he's beat Landy or whatever maybe just before they go to Guilin and he mentions Landy about his father and he doesn't touch his plaster and Ren says that's the first time you haven't touched your plaster so it's kind of like they did the touching of the plaster so much just for this one line to try and say that you know Rio's grown as a person now he's, mm. he's you know he's he's not as I mean, I don't even know what kind of emotion is that portraying. Is that like he's he's angry, revenge, or is it yeah, sadness, probably, or is it probably like all of it? Isn't it? Yeah. It's probably a combination of, of all of those emotions. But so when he like stops you... doing it, what's what's the trying to suggest? You think? I think they like you say trying to sig- signify his development as a character and, and, and as a person that he is starting to calm down. 
I think how they then, and this is going into season two, how that would then carry on because we know that Rio's Kung Fu and Shenmue 3 is still lacking. Yeah. We know that. So how are they going to balance him calming down with his Kung Fu still being well behind a Landy or, or, or G when he first comes across him? He can't touch him. In the games, they had to do that in a sense as well, didn't they? They had to sign, try and make out like fights were difficult because otherwise he just wiped the floor with everyone and mm. there'd be no difficulty level in the game. If So it's it's hard to sort of micromanage that aspect of a character that's progressing because you can't, you know, you're going to come across thugs and you can't just make every fight easy. So I think that was a bit of a, not an issue with Shenmue 3 as such, but something they had to sort of think about, like, how do we show that Rio's getting better at martial arts, improving, yeah. getting stronger, but then still making it challenging for players when they come across, you know, random thugs? So they've got a bit of a, a balance issue there to, to to address, I suppose, haven't they? They have, and actually, I mean, <clears throat> whether this be something they did in Shenmue Three content for the, for a season two, yeah. obviously you're fighting random thugs to a point in in Shenmue Three, whether they maybe toughened them up to be more interlinked with the Chi men or something or be better trained to then close that story gap a little bit with obviously a village full of martial artists in Shenmue 3 and nobody's trying to take these thugs down yeah, but actually if they're exactly. highly trained martial artists yeah. themselves maybe that would then put an element of doubt I'm, I'm going well into Shenmue 3 content that you know just spitballing idea there but it's just it is a, something that they could pick up with that but speaking of story and changes do you have any particular favorite story changes that are there yeah i, I like like we've suggested earlier like the extra sort of side content for the characters especially some someone like joy who kind of just is a means to an end in the game where it's like oh you know you bump into joy she helps you to find a hotel you bump into joy later you know she Punch in the right direction to go somewhere else, kind of thing, or, and you know she ends up being someone that Rio kind of has to save at the end of Shenmue Two. Whereas in the anime, they give her a whole extra le- le- layer where she's sort of involved with Yuan and Don Donu in terms of like her family were killed by yeah. them. They blew up the her father's car, um, and then it kind of like inclinates that her father was involved as well by doing a sort of a dodgy deal. So in a sense, her father in this dodgy deal with Donu and Yuan, kind of got her parents killed and she was an orphan and, you know, she visits the grave and she's very sad about it and you can see visibly that she's sad um, and it's like Rio coming into her life kind of makes her realise um, or, or kind of like a helping to get over that sort of aspect and grow stronger and especially when Rio actually eventually beats Yuan and Donu, you see her at the grave again and she's a lot more um, you know, she sort of got over that aspect of her life and she's she's no longer holding on to that sort of sadness. And just extra scenes like that, you get an extra scene that's in a location that isn't even in the games where it's like this greenery-looking area yeah. um, just yeah, on the yeah. outskirts of Kowloon and she's having a conversation with Ren. And those are the sort of things that I was hoping they'd implement more um, for a Shenmue fan to give us extra content and um, <clears throat> delve deeper into the characters. I mean... If I had it my way, Shenmue 1 would have been a 24-episode season and they could have gone really in-depth with the characters. We could have maybe had a, a couple of episodes of prequel stuff, um, introducing Nozomi and getting more out of her. Um, one of the things 
I did like the Nozomi in the anime, but then at the same time there was certain aspects that I felt like missed the mark, like she doesn't tell her tell Rio that she's going to Canada, so we're sort of left forgetting Nozomi as such, whereas in mm. our games, when we finish Shemu one, when we finish Shemu two, um, you know, you get the phone call with Nozomi and Shemu three, like the first name you see on that call book potentially is Nozomi in it, you think, Oh, let's ring Nozomi up and see what how she's getting on. But in the anime you kind of forgotten her at the end of episode five. Like, even though she was quite sad and whatnot <laughs> as Rio was leaving, and she knew herself she was leaving, not making that clear to Rio or whatever, that, you know, Rio's like, she didn't really mean too much to him in that sort of aspect. Whereas I think in the games, even though he's very clumsy with how he deals with her, he clearly <laughs> me- they, you know, she clearly means something to it. I mean, it's, yeah, you lose a little bit of that. I think also some of that, as you say, is probably down to pacing a bit as well, because they, yeah. they've had cram all, you know, cram two all games in them. Five episodes, didn't they? And they five episodes of Shenmue 1, as you say, which yeah. isn't a lot to do with Shenmue 1. I know from a story content point of view, it's probably less than Shen, Shenmue 2, obviously. Yeah. But it's still quite a lot to cram in. But when you think of Shenmue 1 and some of the extra content, you look at Mark and some of the scenes with Mark in the... Um, when Rio's mm-hmm. working there, he doesn't like him very much, and that because he hears him talking about um, partying with Goro, even though Rio's not interested in partying whatsoever. You get that extra scene where they tour the um, the harbor and the mm-hmm. chalk on the floor for the warehouse, which is used later on. Obviously, then Goro and, and Mai and Mark help Rio during the seventy man battle, which is a nice change, and and then obviously Rio and Guizang fight fight off the Mad Angels, although they use Swallow Dive a bit too much. <laughs> yeah. Everything's bloody Swallow Dive, isn't it? He even uses it towards the end. I did notice, I think it was Doneal, mm. he, um, that big extra, that massive thing he does, he, he, what does he do? He does um, the predictive explosion first, Yeah. and then he leaps into the air, dead, you know, crazy, kicks him with a sh- Swallow Dive on the way down, and then finishes him off with a c- counter elbow assault. So it's like these... It, it's cool in a way, like he's he's learnt these moves and he's used them, actually using them in the wild. But like you say, Swallow Dive was like the running joke of the movie, and he keeps and keeps announcing it, doesn't he? Swallow Dive, Swallow dive. <laughs> oh, yeah, every time, every t- and like when he's fighting Zhuing, he, he announces it, and and then she mm. just brushes him off. And actually, speaking of Zhuing as well, she was her scenes are really good. Yeah, in terms yeah. of a bit more characterization for her, she's as badass as she is in the games, if not more so. But there's a bit more around her and her relationship with Fang Mei and, and going around saving the boy from, from the thugs um, and, and it's integrated actually the first section of Hong Kong is really well integrated into the Wood because we, yes. we were unsure how they were going to do that weren't we because obviously the Wood's a very separate section in the games but they've integrated the Wood, the Wulin Shu all of it together really really well like mm-hmm. it, it fit really naturally yes the beats are slightly out of sync in that you, you, you do the tree first rather than going to um, uh, Guang mm. uh, Martial Arts <laughs> School. But that doesn't matter, really. No, it, it flows really nicely. Um, you know, like you say, this, he does other aspects of his quest, but coming back for the wood at the same time, it's it's really well integrated. That's one of the, the aspects I quite liked that they did there. Um, it, and it kind of felt like they slowed it down a little bit in those sections. Like you got the first yeah. five episodes that feel a bit whirlwindy, and then six, seven, eight, when he's he's picking all the, all the different wood, they sort of dial it back a bit. And that's the kind of pacing that I would have appreciated throughout the whole show. Um, 
actually. But yeah, I agree on that. Yeah, it, I think that 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 sort of pacing around the, those elements of of, of Wan Chai were, were really good, and I think had they had more money and time, and say sixteen episodes as an example, mm-hmm. they could have maybe carried that through. Like, if, for example, the Guilin section, they could have given that a bit more. Obviously, as well, we Jason know, Demarco said they he wanted, wanted an extra he wanted, episode. So. He wanted an extra episode, but they they just didn't have the budget to do it, unfortunately. But it'd have been nice to see that. Rio getting off the boat, the, and the introduction is really well done. It's like the game starts just, off, yeah, it starts it's off epic. like it's going to be, yeah. But and then, then like, all of a sudden, bang, 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 bang and <laughs> yeah. you're in Shenfar's house, you're in the cave, and and it's job done. And it left me feeling a bit like, well, considering that's one of my favourite parts of the whole series, it kind of left left me feeling a bit empty. How mm. he just suddenly rescues the well, it's the goat. It's not even a deer. The, he rescues the goat, and then wakes up in Shenfor's house and it's like ah, oh, that was gut-wrenching at the time because it was like they've cut out this whole epic journey that sort of like it's embodies the character of Rio at that point yeah. and you learn so much about Shenfor that is him growing in that relationship and just going on that journey it's it just felt epic to me at the time um, and then just to throw all that away <laughs> to cram it in and I, I also noticed obviously when they get to the cave at the end They've all they've got the credits on the screen, and that was a little bit disappointing. Then it's like it's like oh you know this stuff's happening, this is like really important, amazing stuff that leads into the future of the series, and it's full of like credits over the screen, <laughs> which is a shame. Yeah, and actually I found it interesting they used the cave scene at the start of it actually, yeah, that, like straight true. away. I mean that punched me in the feels at the time. I think it's good actually. It's a nice little context for anyone that isn't aware. They're like, oh, you know, I've never seen this side of Shemi before. What's going on here? You know, if people have just got this mentality that it's sort of a Yakuza-esque looking Dubuita and forklifting sailors, you know, those sort of things. And then the first thing they're presented with is this cave and these mirrors and this mystical element. And it's like, oh, you know, this wasn't what I was expecting. And then that could hook them into finding out eventually. Yeah, it could. And I think it works well. I do. I also think it's a little. Whether it's deliberate from an iconic standpoint, obviously the cave. We were stuck in that cave for fifteen yeah, bloody years, well. weren't we? So mm-hmm. I do do wonder whether that was almost a, a deliberate nod as well. I mean, it's ironic now that with season two currently not being made, uh, new people to the series are stuck in the cave again. But mm-hmm. you know, we'll we'll take take that as it goes. I think, and I've, I've touched on this. The Bailu Village stuff is really cool. I like it. I, I loved seeing. Shenfar's father, yes, actually going to the stone pit because that that sort again that hits you in the feels because it's like oh my god, this is like the mystery that you get at the end of Shenmue too, and you're seeing the behind the scenes of it. You know, this is the the way it starts. He's he's gone to the stone pit and he, he never returned. <laughs> it's it's amazing to see that. I do wonder if they get a season two whether they'd you know, he'd be getting captured on the way or yeah or on the way out or, or, or something like that to then to then give that motivation for then rio and, and shenfar to to you know, to go and pursue that i and don't that's know what they did so well i think by because they showed a lot of like background and behind the scenes with landy um he inter- interrogates someone yes. in a chinese restaurant which yes, gives context yes, yes. to where landy goes um you see um at the the rooftop fight when Landy's leaving, he leaves because Yuanda Zhu sort of said, you know, the mirror 
or whatever is in Bailey Village. So Landy's traveling to Bailey Village. It gives that extra context of why when you reach the cave and Shenfor's father's not there, he's been kidnapped or whatever, what the motivation is. You're seeing that firsthand in the anime, and it's really cool that they've added those extra little touches um, that shows the links between why stuff's happening in the game. It's probably one of the best things they did in the anime, actually, was that those extra story hooks. It just, like you say, it's extra context. It's extra lore for us as well, because we can probably consider it canon, these, yeah. I guess, as well. And it just it knits the story together really, really nicely, despite me personally. I mean, the rooftop fight, while it was well executed, and there's a school of thought out there that you were due to fight Landy on the roof in the games originally, but for whatever reason, it didn't happen and they moved it on. I... For such an iconic moment in, in, in Shenmue, and when you get up to the roof, you see Landy hanging off the helicopter. The fact you didn't get to fight him meant that meant that moment was so much more. Mm, I impactful. get why they Yeah, I get why they did it for TV. I get it, because they, I think they needed to give the viewers a payoff in some description. Especially the last episode. Yeah. Yeah. But for me, I just thought it didn't need it, but yeah. that's just the personal view on it, I guess, more than anything else. And and you could kind of say, like, while it's nice seeing Landy in these behind-the-scenes moments, and they're trying to like really emphasise that he is the main villain, there was some beauty to like only seeing him in the opening cutscene, and then Rio doesn't set his eyes on until that helicopter moment. It's like that is a, a very intense, epic moment because. That is the only next time that Rio's seen, and he's kind of. I suppose it still is the, the same time that Rio's only seen Landy um, in the anime. It's just that we've seen him in these other little story beats that they present. It makes. I think for a new viewer, I can absolutely see it, and for TV, I can see why they've done it. Obviously, mm-hmm. for us, because we know, and it's, we know the story, and we know how epic that moment is. It. It can. I, th- I I do remember seeing on the forums actually some people were a little bit unsure about some of the extra content they were putting in. But personally, I think ninety five percent of it worked, and yeah, it worked same. really well. It linked the story really well. Some of it, yeah, the odd little bit, I wasn't too too sure on, like the way they changed the Bayou fight, the Guilin speed, <clears> which obviously we know why that happened. <laughs> um, but generally, it was really good. And actually, one of the favourite things of the story changes they did was when you think about the goodbye scenes. So you got the goodbye scene at the end of the whole lot when obviously Rio's defeated Dol Neo Rio's off, you go, he goes to Manmo Temple, he sees Ewing you see him walking off, you see uh, Quicksang and Jimin in the tea shop you see mm, Wong selling nice. his bananas and you see <laughs> Dale in there as well which is a nice Easter egg yep. and you see Ren at the end of it and then it cuts to Guilin I think that was very well done it's a change from obviously what we're used to but a nice change all the same Going back to your point about canon then Matt yeah. A couple of like things that they did change in the storyline. So obviously, originally, we were under the impression that Rio got his scar, his plaster, from a karate tournament. And when you've yeah. seen that karate tournament at the very first episode of the anime, you're thinking that that's going to lead to this. But it isn't. It's actually Landy that gives Rio that scar on his face, the plaster. And then I guess that kind of gives the context for him to keep touching it mm-hmm. and everything else that we've mentioned there. But when you're thinking about canon, is that something that you now think is canon? That's where Rio got his scar from, because it doesn't happen in the game, does it? So that's the problem. No, I mean, personally, I think you can almost have sort of two timelines with it. So yep. 
the game timeline canon stuff where we know he gets his his scar from the karate tournament even though we don't actually see it happen mm-hmm. and then the, the the anime timeline stuff where some of that's yeah they've moved that along and i see why they did it because it's impactful that he's fought landy and nearly got himself killed basically and then that scars the reminder of him getting get his ass kicked and his father dying so I, I can take them both quite quite honestly um i don't know what the wider community think about it but it's not it's i say it's not a massive deal for me in that they can coexist quite easily and like i say it's just a different interpretation of the source material and that's fine I think it works well, actually, that Landy is the one that gives Ryo his, his scar. Um, I was going to say, there's a, a couple more, obviously, the Chens, Master Chen and Guizang yeah. Chen. They've got a bit of a conflict that does iron out towards the end, which kind of shows that father-son-esque um, kind of ad- admiration that when Ryo's off on his journey because of his father, that that's the kind of realisation that you kind of get in the game. But originally, it's like, you can't even call me father-son, you know, it's like, mm. I'm Master Chen to you, it's like very harsh. Um, so that's sort of like a, a story change as such, that they've got a bit of a, a conflict there. And obviously, you don't really see that they're a, a kind of an illegal smuggling unit in the games. You think they're just like the sort of friendly old man and his son that's a bit like... Um, not very sure at the start he's like you know is is Rio an enemy or is he a good guy and then he, he kind of realized he is a good guy towards the end whereas master chen always came across as like a nice friendly bloke and then yeah. <laughs> in the anime he's like a, a drug smoiling mule or something <laughs> yeah it's they, they, and they play up the underworld theme a lot more i know it feels more yeah. threatening than the games make it out to be the games mm. don't explicitly <laughs> say it do they but actually the anime says no, of the Chens, and I can't remember the company they're called actually that they've run. It's mm. mentioned um, in one of the episodes, and someone says, Oh, it's in the antique shop when he gets the um, the sword handguard. It's I mentioned there about the, the Chens. Name. Not Summit Chen, though, is it? Is it Chen? No, it's, it's not, but I can't remember the name of the company now. It will come to me. I'll put a screenshot of it up so people can see it and, and know yeah. I'm not going insane. But they, they really play that up, the underworld. And then the yellowheads are a massive threat in Hong Kong, and the, and like the Chiu men are the baddest of the bad, aren't they? Yeah, they they are the top top layer bad guys that that will kill you, and that's not portrayed as much through the games for whatever reason. So I quite like that change and that that it carries a threat, it carries a weight, and that actually there's more at stake because you look at the games. Rio has got away with everything generally. He now he has in the anime to a point. But it feels like at any point it could all go wrong. Another interesting point, a little comment I made, Matt. Um, Rio is sort of semi-fluent in Chinese. So yes. I, I did like that they actually used Chinese in parts. So early on in the story when he's, he's looking for his, his Hong Kong ticket in the, the shop, there's a, a lady that mistakens him for a Chinese guy because he's looking and I don't know, looking at China tickets or Hong Kong tickets or something. So she comes out with this fluent Chinese and he understands her. <laughs> and, yeah. you know, there's, there is moments like that where um, there is some sort of a Chinese... And especially when he first lands in Hong Kong, I think they were trying to suggest that he knew. I think he actually says something to Master Chen and Guizang in Chinese. He does as when he leaves. Yeah. yeah. And then when he when he gets to Hong Kong, it's all it's Japanese again. Like all of the Chinese characters are talking Japanese, so it's kind of like they were giving you that inkling that you know he can get away with it because he knows somewhat Chinese. And I think he's got like a little bit of a travel 
book at, got, at the start, yeah, yeah. Like, it's like reading some sort of. <laughs> but it's, it's in... nice that they've they've um, tried to incorporate that. Obviously, they can't do the whole of Shenmue Two in mm. China Chinese language, no. um, and then because then they'd have to do all of Shenmue Three and Four. Oh, be a mess, and, wouldn't it? <laughs> So it, it's good that they just tied the knot there a little bit to, to give that. But I, I, it, it took me by surprise at first, actually, when we were hearing Chinese and having the subtitles. Um, but I, I do like that they included that, actually. They kind of like respected and treated the, the languages and the source material again there, that you know these are Chinese characters, so obviously they are going to speak Chinese. Yeah, and it, it just sets that environment and scene a little, little bit and also... I think the running joke of how can everybody understand Rio and Rio understand them from the games is is is, is killed off a, a little bit. You Suzuki gave an answer to that. He's like, I think was it in that quick fire questions? He's like, how how does Rio speak Chinese or whatever? But it's how does everyone in China speak Japanese? And Yu Suzuki said because it's a game. Well, yeah, and I mean, you look at some, you look at hundreds of games, Assassin's Creed, you're all over the world. Yeah. Um, always can, speak English, they, don't they? they? Always speak English, so it's just just what it is i guess isn't it so it's mm-hmm. yeah it, it ties the knot up quite well and actually when we sort of think about tying knot and dying in diving into like the other source material and the easter eggs that are there and there's a few there's quite a few and we're probably not going to mention all of them because there is quite a lot of these but you think of the toy capsules tales on rio's desk the mm-hmm. tapes are the same names as in the games even the money that when he pulls his money out when he's looking to go to Hong Kong, it's the same value as it is in the games. Now they don't have to do that, but I remember seeing that and going, "That that looks familiar." And then you get the scene in the game, and you're like, "Bloody hell, it's the same." There's yeah. loads of these Easter eggs. The Jet Cola machines are, are knocking around. You see Sega Color on the back of the um, photos oh, that they have as well, which is really cool. Um, come over guest houses there you have the aeroplane in, in Hong Kong there's all this material that again they didn't need to do but did really 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 well I don't know if I've missed any there but the only one or the one that I mentioned was the the actual photograph of Rio's friends in, in yes. the zoomies you know she's looking at that exact same photograph that you see from the game which is really cool to see um, like you say these, these loads uh, in fact Magnus did a really good video series that I guess we could link as well, which he went through each episode and tried to find Easter eggs from from each of the the episodes there compared to the game. So that's really cool that they they actually went to the effort and trouble to to add some of those things in there. And his videos are really in depth as well with that. And there's quite quite a few in there. I'm pretty sure we haven't talked about, but we'd mm. be here we'd be here for hours talking about these Easter eggs and and, and things like it. I'm gonna try and like move move us on a tiny bit with yeah, sure, the characters a little bit. We've talked about them a tiny bit in our discussion already we talked about mark joy's ewing landy's got a bigger presence do you think they've done the characters generally justice in terms of their presentation in the game into the anime and is there anything you'd have changed with them no i, th- I think they've they've done a, as best as a job that, that, that they could do with the character characterization there's obviously some omissions that i would have preferred uh, a little bit more on like tom we see that opening cutscene with tom um in the anime but you don't really see him ever again and yeah, he's, he's kind of like one of Rio's best friends in the game and the, the guy that you go to a lot for your information whether that's <laughs> just the way I play <laughs> but obviously there's that moment where he leaves from Erika and <clears throat> he's more of like an easter egg character um, but generally the characters that they did choose to really focus on like you, obviously your Wong, your Joy your Ren, your Shuing um, 
got a lot more backstory. Mai, I was surprised actually that yeah. they, they did so much with Mai because obviously in the game it's she's she is a good character in the game, but she's there a little bit more of the the comedic comedic effect with Goro, mm. you know, when they they get married and stuff. Whereas she actually has good intentions, real sort of background. She's not really this terrible um, person that she was in the games when you first introduced to her yeah you know true. where she's hanging out with a bad crowd in the the anime series she's always quite good she's friends with nozomi chatting there in the, in the flower shop and uh yeah i really like that her portrayal in the anime mark i think maybe they could have done a little bit more with mark um he seems when you think back he's one of the more maybe boring characters that you're introduced to um perhaps any newcomer probably wouldn't even remember that mark was a thing you know what i mean yeah that kind true. of character that's not as to the forefront as other ones like Goro, quite loud, boisterous, very funny, having to piss off the you know <laughs> docks and that sort of stuff. And you could actually see him doing that. You know, that yeah. was like again, that could be considered an Easter egg because he's, he mentions that he knows the best place to take a leak, and then he yeah, is actually having one. a leak. Yeah, and um, that sort of stuff with the chalk on the floor that was a bit strange, mm. but you know. It kind of did bring everyone together, didn't it? So it wasn't just Rio on his own trying to save Nozomi. It was like, how do we use these quite cool characters in Goro, Mai, Mark, Nozomi, and bring them together to help Rio? And you know that chalk thing sort of served its purpose for doing that because they knew where to hang, they knew yeah. where to to go to. In fact, it's them that rescued Nozomi, isn't it? Rio's yeah. off doing something else. So there is minor story changes like that, but generally, like I say. I think they probably did Joy the best with her backstory. Yeah. Um, made her feel like she was a main character in a sense, whereas she's not so much in the game. Um, but I did like seeing her history because um, that was completely new to me. Yeah, and and it, like you say, I think it gives them an added importance to, to Rio's journey, to also their motivations <clears throat> as why they want to help him in the first place. Because in some respects in the game, and this isn't a criticism as such but why is joy helping rio other than it looks like she fancies it yeah you know it's there's there's more so there's more driving it than than just that that the whole association with the yellow heads and the white that she's part of her father and mother with the what you know, part of the white tie gang that were obviously you know, blown up and killed those sorts of things make it and make the characters and like i say as we, we touched on jewing i loved her portrayal She's a little less cold in the games, but I don't know. There's there's more of a badass mm. thing about her. Like when she faces down those thugs and she just moves her foot, and they shit themselves and leg it. That's the sort of thing that I really, really liked and really appreciated. And yeah, hopefully in a, in, a, in a second season we'll get more of that for, for some of the characters in Bailu Village. We've got Grandmaster Fang, Grandmaster Sun, some of those characters that we didn't get a lot from in Shenmue 3. We got some, but maybe not as much as we wanted. They could do some of that and, and really give that context to that to that, that part of the journey should we eventually get there. And you know, fingers crossed that we and do. And that was another thing that I really appreciated. I know we've mentioned these Bailu scenes that they did, but seeing characters like Aldian, seeing, you know, the... Oh, I, I'd never remember his name, but the first sort of fat panda guy you see in the, the green... Yes, you know, seeing him yes. there, you, you've got that that character that's quite cold to Rio, um, sort of like the the guy that fancies Shenfu. You know, seeing them in the anime was really cool because it's giving depth 
to Shenmue 3 in a sense because you're seeing those characters there. You know, even characters like Yuanda Zhu. Um, yeah. They gave him a bit more of a, a backstory. Um, well, they, they showed more scenes with him as well, getting captured, Wong saving him, etc. Um, obviously, you first introduced to him, and this is something we kind of overlooked a little bit, Matt, but the Five Stars Corpse section of the game, yeah. so, uh, section of the, the anime, that was a real massive miss for me. And watching that, where Zhang gives Rio the keys... And then in ten seconds, it's like boom, it's boom, like boom. Eat, remove a brick, insert a key, you know, move a, pl- a pot, an urn or something, press a button, go through a hatch, um, you know, put a key in some sort of a, like a lockbox thing, and then it opens up a, a wall. It was so. It, it, when I was watching it for the second time, I was like, oh, this is so stupid. Like I wish. I I love that five star corpse room, and, and we we did talk a lot about this in the past map when we were discussing the animes um, on the original Aryan, but like seeing Rio's father's gi in, in yeah. that room, the significance of the keys, I think like what they actually means lost in the anime, like the animals on the keys, these mythical beasts, I don't think yeah. there's enough attention to that. And obviously time and budget, whatever, but I just felt like that little sequence of events was very strange it was like how did they know that brick was there and you could say like oh maybe they were told that that was there but it's just how it it works it just seems a bit silly in my opinion compared to the greatness of that room it definitely it was definitely rushed we we <laughs> said it at the time didn't we it was just bam 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 and in one episode they've basically done what half of kowloon roughly mm. give or take a little bit i get it from a budgetary standpoint they needed to try and move things on as quickly as they did to flip it obviously you, you did get the wiretapper room and the and the tapes yeah. and, and and that sort of stuff and and tailing you on and and bursting into a room it's exactly the same as the games but mm-hmm. and my that... original point there was like seeing you and the zoo and yeah. then you know getting the more context from that he's get kidnapped and so it, it, it that side of things I, I really appreciated yeah i definitely um, did and one thing I'm going to touch on away from sort of all the animation stuff is mm-hmm. the soundtrack. Oh, brilliant. It's And I'm, I'm actually glad, in hindsight, because you'd expect them to reuse some of the songs from Shenmue, but in hindsight, I'm glad they decided to come up with their own sort of OST for the, the series because what they produced was fantastic and it just gives us more music to enjoy. <laughs> it does. It does. And I know that when I interviewed Jason DeMarco, he talked about wanting the music to have its own identity, but he mm. also said there were certain songs they had to use. Um, I know licensing was an issue for some. Yeah. And we've said this a million times. There's a lot of fingers in the Shenmue pie for, for whatever reason, but they, like, they used the Shenmue theme quite a lot, but changed it up, made it feel different. Um, even like when when you come across Chai for the first time in some of the earlier episodes, that's a spin off of his music from the games. It's very similar, but yes, they've given it enough it. enough of a change that it has its own identity. And the, I think the music style is very it's very separated from the games. It is a departure from the games, but it works really really well. You couldn't imagine that soundtrack being in the games, and probably vice versa. But on its own standalone with the anime, it, work, it works really, really well. And some of the mood music's really, really good. Um, like, for example, when it's all happy and I can't remember the name of the song now where Rio's leaving for the karate tournament, he's at home, it's all bouncy and happy. And then some of the music later on where Rio's contemplating what he's doing and the mood changes around it. I don't know, I just think they, they, 
they struck the tone for the music really, really well. You've mentioned Peaceful Days is, is one of your personal favourites. Yeah. The, the the main theme, um, Undead Noid by Kashirito, it's, it's, it's in your head all the bloody time, isn't it's it? It's no catching. I can, I can hear it now, actually, in my head. <laughs> um, perfect theme tune, perfect opening theme tune. It gets you pumped, gets you hyped up. It's so catchy. It's, it's you know... Um, it's great <laughs> and even in that last episode when they used it like halfway through the episode <laughs> yeah it's a bit weird it was weird but it was you know it's it's still there isn't it it's it does hype you up a bit it's and good. To sort of, if anybody wants to listen to this soundtrack i mean you can buy it james is going to grab it off the shelf right now um he's got a sealed copy he's done what i've done got a sealed one and sealed a open one, yeah. one. Um, but you can purchase the soundtrack um, off of Amazon Japan. They still have it. It's around £25, £30, if my memory serves me correctly. Um, you can also get it on Spotify, um, Apple Music, or any sort of good streaming service as well. I would implore anybody to pick this up um, because eventually it will come off sale and it will be a really rare item and you'll be paying £100 for it. <laughs> True. There's 33 tracks, by the way, there, guys, if you weren't aware. Which is a lot to squeeze. I know know some of them are only like a minute long or whatever, aren't they? So I can see how they've squeezed it on. That's a lot of tracks on one disc. Yeah. Fantastic music. You've got great. If if you're a fan of the show, you've got to pick up the soundtrack. And then throughout, we're going to go through some of the merchandise that they actually released. It was all released Japan side, and actually a lot of it's quite hard to get. It's ridiculous, isn't it? Just before you sort of show it off, I will never understand why... They haven't done anything this you know, in the West because we've gobbled this stuff up. It seems really silly, doesn't it? But there's a, dog, sorry. That's all right. There's um, there's plenty there that they've done that we've imported. You think, well, why not bring some of this stuff west or make some exclusive lines for the West? I I don't know, but the worst of it is the being able to watch it like we're going to talk about the availability of the show now mm. but i don't I'm, I'm very hesitant to talk about it just because of what it is but there is a boot, bootleg dvd out there that i would only recommend if it's cheap dirt cheap and you're still gonna intend to pick up an official release yeah. and support the anime if they do do a, Blu- a blu-ray or a dvd but currently that's the only way of getting the English dub <laughs> is far somewhere because yeah. it's been taken down from Adult Swim, so the English dub is currently lost to the sands of time unless you buy a bootleg, which I think is really it's disappointing mental. for everybody and actually for the actors. I'm, I'm, I'm speaking for them here, yeah. But I'd be a little bit upset by that because they've put Quite their disrespectful work in. in a sense that after a year, all of that hard work they put in, boom, gone. No one can get a hold of. They've, they've got to do a DVD or Blu-ray at some point. I just don't know why they haven't already. I, 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 I don't know whether it's down to rights or, or anything else, <laughs> but it, it's mad. But we'll, we'll, we'll part that for a second and show some of this merchandise off because there's actually quite a bit of it. We'll go through it quite quickly, guys. So some of the stuff that you could pick up easily, and I don't know if it's still as easily obtained, but there was these stamps, a yeah. set of stamps from Japan Post. And there was two sets that you could get. One that came with this sort of hand towel. Um, what is it? it I suppose it is, it's, I think it is called a towel. Yeah. But it's the materials more like a um, apron kind of tea towel. Tea towel yeah, is what yeah, I was yeah. Of, actually. Um, and the other part 
the other set came with a, a set of pens, which are oh, really yeah. nice, actually. Pens are really good. The box is quality. Obviously, you've got that nice silver foil look. And there's all the pens that you can see there. Brilliant. You've got both Dragon Mirrors, Hazuki, Tiger in the middle, Forklift, Forklift. and the Shenmue with the anime yeah. logo. And then you sort of get into the stuff that's like less easy to pick up. You can get these the anime version of the Sacred Spot Guide that's available at Dobuita Street. And I don't even think this version is available anymore from what I've seen from people that have been there recently. Pretty there's rare only now. The, I think these are the Shemu 1 and 2 version that you can pick up still. Um, but this is the anime variant, which is quite nice. It's got some, some of the character art on the back there. And they kind of did this because they did a bit of a event mm. um, on Dubuita Street in that sort of vicinity. And this was during COVID, so there was no way that any of us could travel there as such. Maybe a little bit after COVID, actually, but the, the obviously was the, shut, the wasn't it? lockdown and all that sort of stuff that you, you couldn't get over to Japan. So that was the leaflet advertising the fact that you could get these postcards. And there's a set of 18 postcards here. I'll quickly go through them. You've got character art there. Gleezang, Nozomi, Rio, Wandi, there was Shenfua. Uh, and then you've got these sort of scene cards that are quite nice throughout the show. The pixel multiple character artwork there, which is really nice to see. So as a collector and as a fan of the show, this is great stuff, this is. It's just a shame it was so difficult to get um, for, for anyone outside of Japan. And I guess even for people in Japan, because you had to pay a certain amount of money to even get a chance to get one of these. And these were, like, random. And then they did uh, a greetings card through the post to winners of... How that did you raffle. apply for this again? It was, was the it raffle, a... wasn't it? So you go on the raffle to get the artwork online, and then if you got all of them up in, like, a raffle-type thing, it then enter you into a competition to get drawn for one of those. Mm-hmm. And that, that's really nice. It's got the sort of glittery effect. And the only reason I've got that is because someone loves me enough to, <laughs> to yeah, actually... I, a few came over this way because we know a couple of people yeah, who that's legitimately true, won them. Yeah, I think Sheephead got one, didn't he? So yeah. they were... At least that was a good thing that you could people over here could win them, but they just kind of showed up on the doorstep. So for, for you know, Matt, you could have won, but it got lost. Yeah. <laughs> And then we had these pouches that were available at Mikasa Volume 2. They're really store, nice. Store on Dubita Street again, who kind of collabed with Sega, because, you know, it's Sega branded. It's really nice as well, Interesting to see. Yeah, really nice. And the last item was, and this is something, I'm going to put it out there just on the off chance someone watching this can get a hold of them, but there was these online gachas. Yes. So there was an app that we actually got, and we we did ourselves, Matt, right? We where you collect these cards, and we've got all the the blue versions, but they did some yellow versions on site at Dubuita, and if you collected them all, and showed them that you got all, I don't know how many there was, maybe you know 14, 15 of these yellow cards, they'd give you this poster, and obviously this is all digital stuff, and the website's actually gone now. I know, where these really yellow ones in. were posted, which is a shame because we never actually saved them because we didn't realise. It was only in hindsight, I think it was that Ezra video where he was travelling around with Yu Suzuki. He briefly shows a, a clip of this QR code, which if we'd have thought about, at the time, scanning, it would have led us to be able to com to complete the yellow set without actually going to Dubuita. And I think trying that QR code now obviously just brings you a dead website, so... If anyone out there 
actually was in Dubuita and collected those yellow um, things and had the foresight to right-click them and save as and download them. <laughs> Please let us, let us know, because we'd love that. And that was that's literally everything. So everything's been released in Japan. It's such such a shame we never got anything outside of Japan, considering how successful the anime was um, to the, the Western audience. Those figures you quoted, Matt Crunchyroll, Adult Swim. You know, it's literally a collaboration with another American studio there, Adult Swim. Swim, and there was no merchandise. It doesn't make any sense, does it? I mean, Sega hold the merch rights. So for whatever reason, they didn't think about the West, which is really, really strange. I, I, I will forever be bamboozled by that approach to it because let's let's be honest. I don't want to sound harsh here, but we are Shenmue fans. We are there to be milked for money. Yep. You know, you know full well me and you would have bought everything. You know full well there had been a group of people out there who would buy everything, and it makes sense with hopefully if they do a Blu-ray release or whatever they do, like standard Blu-ray limited edition blu-ray blu-ray mm -hmm. with shoes you know everything that they can do well, so they can do the same it. dvds we yeah. buy a dvd we buy a blu-ray buy, buy collector's version that's got like some concept artwork because they know there's concept art out there because that was another thing from the debuita thing where they had posters and yes. these the sketches, awesome artworks in each of the shops really cool that the whoever went for the the effort of creating all that sort of stuff for debuita street there amazing job <laughs> you know but that that concept art out there so if they could do an art book that would be amazing and we know that we've seen that they were giving away some scripts yes so it would be great to have you know not even a full copy but just some sort of you know maybe an art book that's got bits of the script in you know easy easy money guys yeah come on yeah we're here the wallet is ready and waiting but going back to round the anime off a little bit Overall, very impressed with it. Is that fair to say? Very impressed with it. Like I say, I'd give it an 8 out of 10 in hindsight. At the time, I was probably a bit higher. I know there was a few moments that disappointed me. You know, the queen and stuff and all that sort of stuff. Mm. Would have brought it up to a 9 easily for me. Um, but yeah, I think it's a very solid show. I'm very gutted that it's been cancelled. In hindsight, I'm pleased that, in a sense, they did pace it to get through to the end of Shenmue 2, because I think knowing now that potentially there's not going to be any more anime, I'm glad that we have got that there, that, you know, they, they created this content, because Shenmue 2 was a bit of a... I didn't know how they were going to go about doing that, so that was, like, the most exciting aspect of the anime to me. Yeah. Um, and the way that they did it was really, really well, and being, you know, having that for newcomers to the series to be able to digest and watch the Shenmue 2 stuff is, like, some of the stuff that I wish people had seen, because you hear about these people when they talk about Shenmue, then they don't really know what they're on about. They just talk about forklifts and sailors and stuff, so having an easy way to digest Shenmue 2 content. That's that's amazing. So I'm glad, in hindsight, that they did pace it like that, despite us, you know, obviously always being a bit greedy. We always want more, don't we? <laughs> and that's not to come across as negative, is it? I mean, we un no. we understand why they've done things the way they've done them, and, it, and it's fair to point, point those out. But overall, like you, it was an excellent anime. I'd easily score an 8 out of 10. Mm -hmm. The vast majority of it was was excellent. The soundtrack's amazing. The the, the attention to detail is it, it, second to none. They've paid it such good respect, in my opinion, that it is a shame that we won't get a season two. But I'll talk about at the end of this how we can potentially 
change people's minds, shall we say. Before we get to that, Mark, I've got a question for you then. So going over what we've just covered, the anime as a whole, do you think this anime can have a lasting effect? Or when we think about other aspects of Shenmue's rich history, like Shenmue Online, Shenmue City, things that have fallen by the wayside, people have forgotten about, do you think in, say, 10 years' time, are people still going to be passionate, as vocal about the anime series? Or do you think, could you see it being, um, unfortunately, forgotten because it's been cancelled? What, what do you think the lasting effect of it is? I don't think it'll get forgotten. I think that's probably too far. When you think of Shenmue Online, Shenmue City, because they never came out. Yeah. It's been almost, not swept under the rug, but it's been left to the sands of time a little bit. Whereas we at least got this, se- this first season and it was a good critical reception and all the rest of it. So I do think there's the appetite there for it that it won't disappear. I worry that it might end up being that the hardcore fan base remember it more than the casual fan base. And I think there's probably a balance to be struck a little bit in that I think we all want Shenmue 4. That's the main push. That's the main focus, if you like. The second season of the anime, we are pushing for that as well. Don't get me wrong. But I think the community would like a fourth game. And that could overshadow as time goes on the potential of a second season or or the desire for it especially if Shenmue 4 happens and it could end the series and we get that closure then for some people they're going to go why do we need a season 2 and and, mm. and there's that argument to it flip it and say that Shenmue 4 isn't happening or is unlikely to happen but actually the anime could be the way to tell it then I think they that appetite could be there I think it's one of those things that might sit in the background for a few years and then it could well surprise us again i also think a lot as long as jason demarco is around adult swim there's a chance if he moves on and goes somewhere like netflix or anywhere i think the chance of shenmue the anime happening goes with him personally i'm I'm speaking for him of course i don't know any of the rights or anything of that sort of thing but I think he is—he was instrumental in getting the thing made in the bloody first place. I think he'd be instrumental if we do get that second season as well. So to answer the question in, in a nutshell, I think there is a risk of it being forgotten and overshadowed by wanting that fourth game. As time goes on, and if that fourth game doesn't come and looks less and less likely, I do wonder whether that might become the more viable option to get the story finished and then bring it back to the forefront, if that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. Sort of like the lifeline we've got if the game series never happens. There's always like, there's a chance because they could just, all right, well, let's do an anime series um, and wrap up the story, you know, on a cheaper budget. Yeah. Because I'm sure the anime was cheaper to make than, you know, there's 20 million new Suzuki Shenmue 3 game <laughs> or whatever we'd want out of Shenmue 4, 5, 6 um, so yeah there are, I suppose that option's there but it depends who's still able to take that on I don't know, there always seems to be we've mentioned this a lot but there always seems to be too many people involved with Shenmue yeah. so it's like who holds the rights to this, who holds the rights mm. to that, you know, how easy is it to take that concept and say like 10 years time, okay there's not going to be a Shenmue 4 guys was really sorry Um who's then able to say well you know let's do a season two then you know it's not that easy is it we might be in a better position than we were obviously this warner brother discovery merger happening happened at a really bad time for shenmue because it was got cut along with a lot bigger franchises as well i think it was greenlit or close to being greenlit which is a shame to hear that yeah it is and they've gone nope sorry 
Um, but now that that's settled down a little bit and they have said openly they're looking at content again and what they can and can't do, I would hope with Shenmue the anime also finishing fifth in that Crunchyroll poll for favourite mm-hmm. anime that was a public vote, that maybe it can be in the conversation again for a season two and see hopefully where we go. I know there will be a section of the community who, if that happens before Shenmue 4, will be reticent about it. I will be as well because it's we're seeing stuff that I would have liked to have played. Yeah. But I'm also very intrigued how they will do Shenmue 3 and then obviously beyond into Shenmue 4 and potentially further. Obviously, Shenmue fans who grew up playing the games, we want the games, don't we? So we want we that 4, 5, 6 and then the retelling in the anime form to see how they adapt it to anime, which they've, they've done with Shenmue 1 and 2. Whereas if the anime overtook that, it would feel a little bit strange seeing stuff that we haven't played and you know and then this sort of canon aspect yeah that is canon at that point it's it's a hard thing and to 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 consider i if i was to be hopeful for a second season like you matt i would love to see how they go about doing the shemu 3 aspect of things because we know that's a lot of people dislike shemu 3 for those story aspect reasons and when you've got an anime show which is telling a story you know they, they can't do mini games or you know mm. conversations or wandering around picking herbs and stuff it is literally 20 minute shows of story so how they go about retelling Shenmue 3 story would be really interesting because if they do go out of the way to add these extra side character contexts that we wanted like Schilling um, seeing her background you know more interactions with her maybe she's off you know you, you see the, the, the red snakes or whatever that smashed up their her behind the scenes it can add a lot more weight to then her joining up with Rio at the end and I think they could do that really well in the anime to give us that extra canon that we wished was in Shenmue 3 they've got a a chance there to incorporate into a season 2 of the anime if that was to be a thing that would be nice to see for us it's like you say then that the Shenmue 4 stuff depending on which comes first that's the the question (laughs) yeah definitely and I'm going to wrap us up there because we've we've mm. gone over an hour, but it's been a you know going back to watch the anime again was with a fresh pair of eyes was was oh, I yeah. thoroughly enjoyed it. And... I enjoyed it, man. I mean, we made a lot of notes here that we haven't even covered, so uh, you know, there's there's a lot to talk, and we could have easily spoken for another hour. Yeah, easily, um, easily. Which, you know, is, is testament to how well uh, the appeal of the anime was to to me and Matt here. I think we've we've. Although we could, we're we're not you know going to hide the fact that there is some negatives we would have liked to have you know them them made better <laughs> for lack of better words there but I think that the positives for what they did manage to achieve and and give us in the end far outweighs Absolutely. all of those negatives that we've had and I'm just amazed that it's a miracle to me that this occurred this happened yeah it doesn't feel real that we got a way of watching. Shenmue 1 and 2 if you don't feel like playing the games or you've got another means to you know digest some Shenmue content that I wouldn't have ever expected to have seen because everyone else tells you that Shenmue's a failure so to get this high budget feeling anime just randomly out of nowhere you know it was released a year ago today it, you know it's just it's crazy that we can sit here and chat about something that I would never have expected to happen. You know, everyone always wanted, or, you know, when they thought Shemu was dead, they were like, oh, why don't you just do it in a novel? Why don't you do it in a manga? Why don't you do it in an anime? But now to get an anime alongside 
you know, a potentially ongoing series still. It's not dead in the water and it's just amazing that that actually happened and it's a shame that the cancellation happened as well. But we're always hopeful. Um, yeah. And that's the you know, thing. You can, are... you can never, as Shemu fans, you can never let go of anything. <laughs> no, you can't. And actually, I think Shemu has this history of things that are coming out of left field. The anime certainly did when it got announced back in, I think, September 2020. It was out, literally out of nowhere. So hopefully that we'll get well, something. On that basis, Matt, we're, what, we're looking at another mobile phone port of something. Or... Well, probably, yeah, or, or some board game or something that they've yeah. just made up. But if you're... If Shemu you're in... 4. <laughs> Monopoly. <laughs> oh, God, no. Please, no. Um, but they should monetize us better. That's just... A, and every, that's time, a whole... every time you pass go, you get 500 yen. <laughs> I'll be in your son. There you go. Pitch it to Sega. Yeah. There you go. us some more. But if you guys, if you're wanting to take part in the campaign to not only get Shenmue 4, hashtag let's get Shenmue 4 on the 4th of every month, we are also tweeting hashtag Shenmue Anime 2 on the 4th of every month as well to make Warner Brothers Discovery, Sega, Adult Swim aware that we're not going away, that the anime was excellent. I've got loads of stats that obviously I put out there and put out there every month for people to see. Join in the fun on Twitter. We do it every month. James and I stream every month for it as well as part of it to raise awareness as much as we can and, and come out there for any vote, any poll, any anything that is Shemmy related. I think the Crunchyroll poll where we came out in force and we made a, we punched above our weight and we made some noise. That's the sort of thing that will get us a season two. That is the sort of thing that will get us the fourth game. But I'm not going to go into that anymore. Um, we've hit an hour and 15 minutes it's been an absolute cracking discussion james it's always a pleasure um Andrew, guys man. thank you as you always for following us on twitter youtube facebook watching the streams digesting our content it's much much appreciated by james and i don't forget to give us a like follow share subscribe youtube twitter you know where we can find us and take care guys and have a good one all the best cheers guys <laughs>